and uh, we are glad that you are joining with us. We are continuing on the journey that we have been on uh, for a, a few weeks now as we are talking about the actions of hope. We have come into this year, and our, our challenge in this year has been that the Lord wants to prepare us. That is, that is, he is preparing us for what he has in store for us as we begin to move forward. And so along the lines of that preparation, we have been taking this opportunity to prepare our lives for the actions of hope. If we are people of hope and we have hope that God has a plan for our lives. How many of you have hope that God has a plan and a purpose and that God has, has all things lined out? There are opportunities that are awaiting. There are things that are coming as we begin to walk forward by faith. And we need to be people of hope. We need to be looking forward. We need to be walking in hope and living in hope because God has got a plan. Don't ever lose hope because if you lose hope, you cannot have faith. Amen? Because if you, if you don't have any hope, you will not have any faith. But when your hope is in the Lord, faith can be for anything because all things are possible. And so we have been talking about the actions of hope. And what we have done is we've started. We've been in two places. We started in Romans chapter 8. And we started around verse 18, and we went down to the end of that chapter. And I'm not going to recap all of that for you. You can go back and listen. You can get on our YouTube channel, River Life Church and more, and you can go to The Walk, and you can listen to all of those and catch yourself up that way. Uh, you can see them back on Facebook if you scroll back through Facebook. And so there are ways you can catch up. So I don't want to take our time tonight doing that because I really need to press forward. And, and then we, we talked out of Romans chapter 8, and we begin to talk about as we began this process, we began to talk about the church. We, we were talking about developing out of the principles we are sharing, the walk and life of victory over freedom over the flesh. So we've been talking about how to walk in victory over the flesh, how to walk in freedom, how to walk in life. And it all boils down to hope. We have to be people of hope. And we shared that we are a promised church we are a Pentecost church. That means we are a church that God, a poured upon church, that God has poured his spirit out. That's, that's what we mean by that. And we are a pursuing church. So when we understand we are promised, we understand we've been poured upon by God with everything that is necessary, spirits outpouring, that Pentecostal um, uh, experience that we have been blessed uh, to walk in that Acts chapter 2 begins to talk about. And when we realize that, then we can become the pursuing church. That's what we see in the book of Acts. We see that they were promised, so they gathered because of the promise. And then they were poured upon by the Spirit of God in Acts 2. And then for the rest of the book of Acts, we see them as the pursuing church. They are pursuing God's will. And so that's where we are. That's what God wants to do with us. And so we must get the mindset of pursuit, pursuing God, pursuing His plan. And the only way we will do that is with hope. And so this is the third week that we are going to now be in Romans 12. So if you want to turn there with me, Romans 12, that's where we are going to pick up tonight. And last week, actually I guess this is the second week that we will be in Romans chapter 12. Uh, but last week we only covered verses 1 and 2. Now we'll see if we make it farther than that this week or not. Um, but last week we covered verses 1 and 2 of Romans 12, and we talked about the concept of in order to be a person of pursuit, in order to be a person that, that is pursuing everything that God has for us, then we must make our dedication decisive. Romans 12, 1 and 2, he he. He says to them, and I'm going to be reading out of the New Living Translation tonight. He, he said, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you and let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. 
Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. So other versions are going to say it differently, but that's the gist of what we have been looking at. And so the first concept that we have to grab out of Romans 12 is we have to make sure that we are making our dedication to God decisive. So we spent last week talking about the importance of making a decision. Not being wavering around, not wavering around, not, not being tossed to and fro, but making a decisive decision. Because when you make your decision for Christ, and you make it rock solid and steadfast, you can walk through anything, you can continue with God through anything, and you can keep pursuing no matter what headwinds you come up against. So that's got to be order number one, is make your, your dedication decisive. Make yourself a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Present yourself. Put yourself on the altar. And that's your reasonable service. And then do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Make your dedication to God decisive. Okay, now. We're going to move from there tonight, and we are going to move into beginning at verse number 3. And we're just going to walk through this. I'm just walking through the Lord um, several months ago when he dropped this into my spirit, began to highlight for me out of every couple of verses uh, the actions of hope that we need to be taking, that we need to learn in order to live the life of freedom and pursuing God that God has in store for us and that God, so that we can fulfill the purpose that God has for us. So let's start at verse number three. And again, I'm going to read in the New Living Translation. That's what's going to be up on the screen. And so you just follow along. Verse three says, because of the privilege and the authority that God has given me, Paul says, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. <laughs> Amen. In the New, King's, New King James Version, it says not to think of himself more highly than he ought to. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought or where I read to you, he, he says to him, don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves. I mean, no. Sometimes we find it much easier to be honest as we evaluate everybody else than we do when we come to evaluating ourselves. Amen? We all kind of at times get the resume mindset you know you know what that is the the resume is you know you 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 put some facts in there and you're not lying about them you're not embellishing them but you're putting them in such a way that they sound the best possible way they absolutely possibly could you know so if you got up that morning and you took the trash out, you'll put in your resume. You know, I, I am the sanitation engineer uh, at, at, at the, on a daily basis. Or, you know, I mean, you just, you find ways to make everything sound as good as possible. Amen. And sometimes if we're not careful, that's the approach that we have in our walk with the Lord. We, we kind of think of ourselves at times a little more maybe, or we trust ourselves a little more, or we give ourselves a little too much leeway at times when we really need to evaluate what's really going on. We need to know our weaknesses. Hello. Do you believe it's a good idea to know your spiritual weaknesses? You need to know your weaknesses, period. But it's very important that you know the things that you may struggle more with spiritually. Why is that important? Well, it's important so that you know you can take those to the Lord. Because Paul writes, and he says, when I am weak, then I am strong. Because when I'm weak, he is strong. 
And so if you know your areas that you might struggle with or your weak areas, then you're not going to foolishly put yourself in those areas. You're going to lean upon the Lord. Amen. We, we all probably could tell stories of times that we put ourselves in positions that we knew better than to put ourselves in because we just thought we could handle things better than we could. Amen. And you know what that leads to? That kind of lifestyle leads to this as a Christian. And you'll, some of you will probably recognize this. The kind of lifestyle that doesn't evaluate our own self properly and, and doesn't seek to, to make sure we understand our weaknesses so we can turn those to the Lord. That lifestyle in the Christian life leads to continuous prayers that are constantly saying, Lord, I'm sorry if you'll forgive me. One more time, I'll never do it again. <laughs> do, I have any, do I have any honest people in the house that have ever, ever said that prayer? I, I won't do that again. I have learned my lesson, right? How many of you have had to pray that prayer more than one time over the same thing? A amen. <laughs> it happens. It's okay. It's not okay. It happens. You need to learn how to deal with it. So how do we do that? We need to know. We've got to evaluate. So listen, let me, let me finish this up. Verse 3. So don't think you're better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourself. Say yourself. Not everybody else, but yourself. Measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Okay, here's New King James. For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. So not only are you to know your weaknesses, understand areas that you might struggle with, but you also need to understand God has given you a measure of faith. Measure your life compared to what God has given you. So here's the thought that jumps at me out of that verse that I want to talk about when it comes to the actions of hope. And, and I wrote it down this way. This is my point on this verse. Rate your ability. Rate your ability. So know yourself. Know what God has called you to do. Know what God has given to you. Understand what God has blessed you with. And also understand your weaknesses. How many would say faith is a gift? So if faith is a gift from God, because we've all been given a measure of faith. If faith is a gift from God, then you and I need to make sure we are constantly opening the gift. We are using we are increasing what God has given to us. We are, well, and so you've got to understand God's given you faith. Turn to someone around you and say, you know, God's given you some faith. And God doesn't, his hand's not short. He doesn't give you not quite enough. <laughs> He's never done that. He's never given anyone not quite enough of faith that they need to succeed in everything he calls them to. He's measured it out. He's given you a full measure. If it's his measure, it's a full measure. He doesn't measure like we do. Right? He, he measures faith for you like I measure coffee. Right, Shirley? It's abundant. Shirley, Shirley skimps on the measure. She... She never puts, she never quite puts enough. Amen. Amen. So in this scenario, I'm more like God than Shirley is. Amen. Only in this scenario. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I heard that. I'm being told I need to be honest in my evaluation and not think highly, more highly of myself than I should. But I will give an abundance of coffee in there. A amen. We went on the men's fishing trip, and I made coffee for them because they were out, and I was there before them, and I made coffee. And Ken and uh, Kenny, 
uh, were riding home, and Kenny was so juiced up on the coffee I made, he talked the whole way home from there. So uh, I, I give an abundance of that. The God gives a full measure. He, he has that scoop, and it's a heaping scoop. He gives a full measure of faith into your life. Measure your life against what God has given you. So know Know your ability, rate your ability properly, but also understand God has blessed you with something. Next time you ever, you have the, if you, if you ever have the temptation to say, well, I just, God just hasn't done something for me and God just hasn't done this for, why doesn't God do anything for me? You need to stop yourself immediately if you ever have the thought of saying that. And you need to recognize God has given you an abundant measure of faith. God has given you new life through Jesus Christ. God has watched over you. He set his angels over you to protect and guard you. God is on your side. So when you rate your ability, you have to understand your inability at times, but you have to understand God's super ability. Amen. That God can do great things with what you seem to be lacking in. Amen. So rate your own ability. See, here, here's the subheading of this. You need to learn how to see yourself in Christ. See yourself in Christ. If anyone, if any person, if any man be in Christ. Amen. He is a new creature. Old things are passed away. And behold, all things become new. If if we, we need to learn to see ourselves in Christ, covered in Christ, redeemed in Christ. Blessed in Christ. We need to, you know, I, I preached about in Colossians. We need to set our minds on things above. We have to learn to see ourselves in Christ. Because he covers our weaknesses and he blesses us with his abundance. And so we're going to talk for just a few minutes about what, what this might look like out of some biblical stories. Okay, and now, when I go into these stories, I'm going to be reading these in the New King James Version. As I just kind of skimmed through, I'll probably just tell them to you more than read them to you. But I want us to start, if you'll go back in your Bibles to Exodus, the 33rd chapter. We're going to talk about a few people that learn to see themselves in God or see themselves in, in the New Testament. It would be in Christ, in the hand of God, to understand their their relationship with God and what God has given to them because this is where we're going to kind of talk a little bit tonight. Exodus chapter 33 and verse 17. Moses is leading God's people out of Egyptian bondage. He's leading an obstinate and stiff-necked people. I didn't say that. God said that. They were a people that grumbled and complained. They, God would bless them and they wouldn't even recognize it. They would rejoice in the blessing of the moment. And then soon thereafter they would forget about that and they would be complaining again. They never learned how to see themselves in the full measure of what God had given to them. Their eyes were always on what was going on around them. Amen. God sent spies into the promised land. He had already told them it was a land flowing with milk and honey. He had told them that there were great things in that land. It, it was a beautiful land. He sent 12 spies in. You know the story. They go. Ten of them come back with a negative report. But what's crazy is that they had to step over all that God had promised them was there in order to focus on the negative. Because those ten, while they were there, they saw grapes in such clusters that it took two to carry them. They saw a land flowing with milk and honey. They saw cities that God had already said were going to be theirs. They had seen all of the things God had said they would see there. But they jumped all the way over that to focus on the fact that there was an adversary there. How many times do we... Jump over all of the blessings of God, all of the promises of God, 
all of the things God has accomplished in our lives and for us. And, and when we're going through something, we jump over all of that to get to the negative report or the negative thing about God, I, I mean, about our circumstance. We don't see ourselves properly in the measure of what God has given to us. Are you all with me? So Moses is dealing with this. This is, this is the, 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 the route that he is taking. He's, he's taken out commandments. He's been angry and broken commandments. And, and, and he's having a moment with God. You ever had a moment with God? And he said, Lord, if you're not going to go with us, then I don't, I don't want to go. I don't want to lead this people. He said, but if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way. Now, let's go to verse 17. Exodus 33, verse 17. So the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. And he said, please show me your glory. That's what Moses is asking for. If I'm going to lead these people, if you're going to go before us, if you're going to show me your glory so that I will have a clear understanding. So I won't get caught up in, in the negative. So I can be a man of hope in leading a, a difficult group of people in this moment. You're, you're going to have to be a person of hope that can live life through difficult situations. If you're going to pursue all that God has for you. So he says, show me your glory. Verse 19 he said, and he said, I will make all, God said to him, I will make all my goodness pass before you. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you, God said to him, but you cannot see my face, for no man in the flesh can see me and live. Not in God's glory, not in his fullness. We, we are unable as fallen people to withstand that kind of glory. And the Lord said, but here in verse 21 is a place by me, and you shall stand on the rock. And so it shall be while my glory passes by that I will put you in the cleft of the rock. So you're going to stand beside God, he said, on this rock. And when my glory comes by, I'm going to put you in the cleft of this rock. And I will cover you with my hand while I pass by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back. My, the afterglow that comes behind me. The, 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 the remains of my presence that's been among you. Hmm. But my face shall not be seen. Now, if I was preaching, I could go into a whole lot of ways right there because we know Christ is the rock. And we know that if we're going to live in God's fullness, we need to be set upon the rock. And we need to be hidden in the rock. And we need to understand God has his hand uh, covering us when we are in. And when we are in the rock and we are covered by the hand of God, there is no enemy. There is no weapon that could overtake us. Or do, can somebody say amen to that? But that's not where I want to go tonight. What I want to talk about is Moses had to learn something. Moses learned in that moment that he had the ability to walk in the presence and the glory of God. That he could follow God. That God would reveal himself to Moses in such a way that he could trust he could follow God. Amen. That when God asked him to do something, he could know this is the God that I am talking with that has revealed his presence to me. Therefore, I can know how to follow him. Amen. There, there's something there that we need to understand. The, this is what's important for you to understand. God has given you abilities. God has given you opportunities. But you need to understand. You need to start looking at what God has done in your life in spiritual moments. You need to understand. You can hear God. You can see 
him in such a way that you can follow him. That you can lead others in the path that he has left for you. Amen. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Come, follow me. Come. He would call to the disciples. Come and follow me. Paul then later would say, you follow me as I follow Christ. But we, we need to understand we can be people that can have a relationship with the Father through Jesus Christ. That's our part. Moses was, was old covenant, but we, we now come through Christ. He is our access to the Father. He is the rock that we stand upon. But when we are upon Him and we are in Him, then we can know God is leading us. And we can, we can understand His presence when He's with us. And we don't walk by feelings. We walk by faith. But how many of you know when God is leading and moving, spiritual people can feel and sense what God is up to? Hmm. Amen? So you need to rate your ability. Are you a person that can know? You can know God is leading. That you can sense his presence when he's moving. I want to tell you, if you will get to the place that you can be that kind of person, then when no is said to you about a situation, you can say no because you can know it was God. When, when God just says, go this way, you may not understand it all. But if you're a person that you've rated your ability and you've rated God's measure and you've experienced his presence and his leading and his guidance, then you can trust that God's got a good plan for you. Amen. How many believe that's something good to know? Would that help you in hope? See, now, if, if it's a person they've never had an encounter with God... They, they never have experienced the presence of God. They've never had an experience in following God. Then, then you know, it's going to be a little more difficult for them. It's going to be, although sometimes that seems to be easier. People just jump by faith and go. But for those of us who have been in the presence of the Lord, we need to understand God wants to speak to us. God wants to show us His glory. God wants to give us His presence. Amen. He wants to bless us with his presence. Moses asked him, show me your glory. And God said to him, here's what I'll do. And Moses from that moment on could know he could follow God. Now he knew up until that point, but he can know now even more surely. He can know when God is leading Amen. What, a, what an amazing thought. You can walk, you and I, can, in Christ now, can walk in the presence and glory of God. Amen. So you need to understand that. You need to understand that you are a person that's capable of knowing God's leading. You know, there are a lot of Christians that, that they don't realize that they are capable of knowing God's leading. And so they are always asking somebody else to give them direction from the Lord. Amen. How many know God will use others to give you direction from him sometimes? But do you know the best way God likes to give direction to his people? <laughs> Is personally. I mean, we've, we've got the best guidebook you could ever have. We've got the promises of God, the blessings of God. We've got the revelation of God. Do you know Christ is the express image and revelation of God. So when we read of Christ, we are reading the very nature of God. We are reading what he wants to do, how he wants to lead, how he will guide us, how he will direct us. And you and I, because God's given us that measure of faith to believe, you and I are people that if we'll rate our ability properly, and we won't think more highly than we should of ourselves, but we'll think highly of God uh, above all else, then God can lead us.
you can be led by the presence of God. And now that's not, it's not some crazy experience that you always have to have. And we're, we're, we're Pentecostal people. We're spirit-filled people. And do you know there are people in the kingdom of God that, that think we're crazy? Because we'll act in ways that they don't understand. <laughs> we'll, we'll receive in ways that they don't have a concept of. That, that, you know, and, and we can debate about that and argue about it. But do you know that's not the only way God leads? God's presence does not, it's, he doesn't only show up around altars in Pentecostal spirit-filled churches. He's with you when you wake up on Monday morning to guide you, to lead you, to give you his presence. I've had some of the greatest presence moments with God outside of church services. Personal one-on-one time moments with God have been more impactful presence moments with God than church services that I've been in. Amen. I've been in some amazing church services. Thank God for them. Hope to be in more. I'd be in them every week if I could. But, But those personal times... That God is showing me, you're a person that's capable of hearing my voice, of, of seeing my presence, of knowing how to walk with me. That, that gives me hope on a continuous basis. I, I hope this helps somebody. We're just trying to learn how to be people of hope, how to take actions of hope. And so you need to rate your ability. You need to see that. Well, let, let's not stop there. Let's, let's talk about another one. And I'm, I like I've, t- I've told you this whole time, I'm not in a hurry. So, you know, I, I'm not even trying to get anywhere specifically. I'm just going until our time is up. And so we're all right. If we only cover this one verse, I'm, I'm pleased. I want you to go with me now to 1 Kings chapter 19. See, that's a great thing about Wednesday nights. We, we, we can study the Word of God together. We can just look in the Word of God together, and then we can stop where we stop, and next week we'll just pick it up again. 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse number 11. Elijah. Now, Elijah has just left one of the most amazing moments of his life. He's a prophet of God. He was challenged by God to go challenge the false prophets of Baal and the king. So the prophet of God goes, it hadn't rained. He had given a word and it had not rained. And God said, okay, now it's time for the rain to come. So Elijah goes and challenges them. They go up on the mountain. You know the story. I'm I'm talking to people on Wednesday nights. You know the story. They go on the mountain. The prophets of Baal. They're cutting themselves down. They've, they've built an altar. They're praying to their false god. They're, he, god. Elijah has said to them, let the God who is truly God answer by fire. They do everything they can. Elijah mocks them, makes fun of them. Then finally he says, okay, you guys, you guys need to get out of the way. It's my turn now. He, he rebuilds the altar. He takes water in a drought and pours water around the altar. And in the King James Version, I believe it is, he prays a 53-word prayer. And after praying 53 words of a prayer in King James vernacular, he didn't pray it that way. That's how we have it recorded that we read it. But after praying that type of prayer, fire falls. Licks up the water and licks up the sacrifice. Y'all know the story, right? And then what follows that? Rain, the drought ends and rain comes. It's an amazing moment and then the people turn to God and then they killed the prophets of Baal. And that was an amazing moment until Jezebel, the queen, put word out that she was personally going to oversee the fact that Elijah was going to be killed by the next day. This mighty man of God that just called fire down from heaven and rain from a drought runs into the wilderness afraid for his life. He's in the wilderness thinking he's going to die, moping, 
complaining. He even tells God at one point, I'm the only one left, Lord. No one, and the Lord has to tell him, you need to get yourself up. I've got 7,000 that, that already haven't bowed their knee to Baal. He, 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 and God's feeding him uh, with ravens and bringing in the food to him. And all these, these things are happening in this moment in his life. In verse number 11 of 1 Kings chapter 19, then he said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a still, small voice. And so it was, when Elijah heard that voice, he wrapped his face in his mantle, went out and stood in the entrance of the cave, and a voice came to him suddenly and said, What are you doing here? And Elijah begins to tell him his story. And God calls him out of that into the life that's going to finish his purpose. Here's the reason I go there. Not to preach the message, but to share this concept with you. Because Elijah had to rate his ability. He had to see what it was God was giving to him. Here's what God was giving to him that Elijah discovered on that day. He was able to hear the still small voice of the Lord. And he was able to discern when it wasn't the Lord. Because the wind came, the earthquake came, the fire came. And the word said the Lord wasn't in those. That wasn't, that wasn't it. It was in the still small voice. So Elijah discovered He learned about himself that he had the ability, because God had blessed him, given him the measure of faith. He had the ability to hear the small voice of God in the hardest of times. And he learned he had the ability to discern when it wasn't God. Come on, someone. How many know If you're going to hold on to your hope, if you're going to be a person of hope, if you're going to rate your ability properly, not think more highly of yourself than you should, understand God's blessed you with all of this. If you're going to follow God and pursue Him and accomplish what He's given you, you're going to have to learn to know the difference between what is God's voice and what's not God's voice. Amen. There's a lot of voices in the world. There's a lot of noises and voices in the world that will claim to be from God. But you and I are given the ability by God, the measure of faith, now to put our faith in Christ so we have the fullness of Him. We can walk in Christ. We can live in Christ. And now we have the ability because of who He is, not who we are, but who He is and what He's accomplished, to be able to hear Him and know when it is the Lord and when it's not the Lord. Does anyone believe that might be something good to know? Because you'll hear all sorts of voices. You'll have all sorts of people that will tell you they've heard from God on your behalf. And sometimes they have, and sometimes they haven't. Sometimes it can even come to you with the best of intentions. Amen. Is that too, is that too real for you? Sometimes they can. And you know what? When people come to me, here's what, what I've learned when people come to me and have, have shared. First of all, I'm thankful because they've been praying for me. They've been thinking of me. I'm thankful for that. Now, I take what, what is given and I, I process it. I put it in my heart because you know what? Sometimes God will speak to me out of the, it may not be the exact thing, but he'll speak to me out of that. And then there have been times that it, it wasn't. The word I needed at that moment. But that doesn't mean I just discard it. It just means I just put it aside until God wants to bring it back to me. But I have to discern. 
I have the ability through Christ. It's not my ability, but if I'm walking in Him, I'm living in Him, I'm full of His Spirit, then the ability is there to discern the small voice of God in hard times and to know when it's not the Lord's voice. I mean, you might, you might be offered a job. And it might look like the greatest thing in the world, and it may not be what God wants for you. Right? You, you might, I mean, it, it, everybody else might say, oh, you need to go do that. It would be crazy to not do that. But you have the ability <laughs> as a person of God to hear the voice of God and to discern the difference if you'll trust in Christ, if you'll walk in Him. You can remain that person of hope. So when he talks about don't think of yourself more highly than you should, but also understand you've been given a measure of faith, the full measure, that in Christ all things become possible. So, so learn how to hear the voice of God. I feel sorry for people that say, I, I'm, I'm never, Pastor, I've never heard God speak to me. The first thing I want to tell people when they say that is, then start reading your Bible out loud. Because <laughs> every, every time you read it out loud, you just heard God speak to you. Amen. I've heard the Lord speak to me. But I've also learned to discern when it may just be me speaking to me. Anybody ever been there? Amen. And I have to discern. I have to, I have to learn. I have to take that to the Lord. I have to say, Lord, is that just me? Is that just, just or is that you? And you know what I found? I found that if I keep walking with the Lord, he'll always confirm his word. Amen. So we had Moses. He learned that he could walk in the presence of God. He could follow God. He could know the presence and understand when God was leading him. We've got Elijah. He, he learns. He, he rates his ability and he learns. I can hear the small voice of God. It doesn't have to be the big booming thunder. It doesn't have to be the fire. It doesn't have to be the earthquake. Just to, in the small ways in hard times I can hear God. And I can discern the difference. Now turn with me to one more. And then we're going to close. Matthew chapter 16. One of my favorite characters in the Bible. Because I'm glad he's there. And that's Peter. I'm thankful Peter was one of those 12. Not only one of the 12, he was one of the top three of the followers of Christ. According to uh, the, the hierarchy of the, of the disciples. And Peter was known to sometimes speak well before he thought. He might put his foot in his mouth periodically. He might say, so I'm, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm thankful Peter's there. I'm thankful for a man that could walk on the water, sink, and then get back up on top of it with Jesus. <laughs> Amen. That gives me some encouragement and some hope. But in Matthew 16, he begins to speak. And Jesus came and he said, who do men say that I am? And all the others started saying, well, you're this they're saying, you're this prophet, you're that prophet, you're Elijah, you're, you're John the Baptist, come again. You, you, you are Jeremiah, you're this prophet. But Jesus said, but who do you say that I am? And Peter speaks up and says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says to him, blessed are you, Simon. Son of Jonah. For flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you. But my Father which is in heaven. Amen. He said and upon the rock. This rock. That, that's Jesus by the way. It's not. It's the confession of Christ. We got. We got. You know those that will teach that Peter is the rock. Peter's not the rock of the church. Jesus is the rock of the church. Peter was given the name. 
Petrus. It's, a, it's the little rock. It's a part of the rock. He, he, he's like all of us are. He's, he's that little uh, part. But the confession of Christ, he said, upon this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom. And I, I went here to say this. Peter discovers that the faith in him is able to speak out in boldness because God can give him revelation in his time of need. Can I, can I tell you, if you're a person of faith, in your moment of need, you can have hope. You can believe God because in your moment of need, God can give you a revelation that you can say exactly what you need to say. You can know what you need to know. In fact, Jesus promised it to him. He said, you're going to be taken before leaders and rulers and kings as my followers. You're going to be taken before court. But he said, don't you even give a thought about what you're going to say on that day. For in the moment you are there and in need, the word's going to come to you. Amen. How many of you have discovered that even in your darkest moment, if you'll hold on to hope in Jesus, Jesus, he'll, he'll cause you to be able to say something that you didn't know you could say. He'll give you a revelation that you didn't even know that you could have. He'll, he will take care of you. He'll give you the keys of the kingdom. Think about this. Look at what he said. Verse 18. Peter has just said, you are the Christ, the Son of God. The Father revealed it to him. Verse 18, and I say to you, you are Peter, and on this rock, on the rock, on this confession, I'll build my church. That means those that will believe that I am the Christ, the Son of the living God, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. And for those that believe I am the Christ, the Son of the living God, I will give the keys to the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth, when you need the keys, I'll give them to you. If you'll hold on to hope that I am who I said I am. Praise God. We, we need to rate our ability a little bit better according to God's ability. We've got to see ourselves in Christ and what Christ has given us. And what Christ gives us is he can reveal to us the way, the presence of God to follow God. He can reveal to us that we can hear the small voice of God in hard times and discern the difference when it's not the voice of God. And then he can reveal to us exactly what we need in every moment that will be the key that will unlock the kingdom of God for us. Amen. Actions of hope in Christ. So I want to encourage you tonight. And I honestly, I did not think we would make it out of this verse. But I want you to understand. Don't think of yourself more highly than you should. But understand the measure of faith God's put in you in Christ. And let that come alive in you. And understand you can walk in his presence. You can follow him and lead others. You can hear his voice in your hard times and discern when it's not him. And you can be given the revelation of the power of Christ, the ability of Christ that would be the key that unlocks the kingdom of God in every moment you find yourself in need. Amen. Anybody thankful for it? How many believe that gives you hope? When you understand, you can. Jesus says of those in the Old Testament, he said they were written for examples, signs, examples. They were, they were pointing us somewhere. So now in Christ, we can live these things out. We can live in the presence of God as Moses. We can because of Christ. Hear his voice like Elijah. We're not all prophets like Elijah. We're not all lawgivers like Moses. But in Christ, we can walk in the fullness. Amen. And we can be given the revelation needed to unlock the kingdom at any time.
that we find ourselves in. Stand to your feet with me tonight. We're pursuing God's plans, God's purpose. We're learning how to live life as overcomers. So we have to understand who we are in Christ. And more importantly, who he is in us. Amen. See, there is no arrogance there. Because we are well aware when we measure ourselves properly that we can't measure up. Have you ever discovered that on your own you can't measure up? I, on my own, I can't do anything but make a mess. But in him, amen, all things become possible. Amen. And so I can speak in boldness because of his presence. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we come to you tonight. God, just... Set us on a pursuit. Learn to live overcoming lives. Lord, we make our dedication decisive. When we make that decision to, to believe and to come to faith in Christ and for Christ to be our Savior, it's a decisive moment. It's settled. We, we settle it. it does, when we go through something, it's not something we waver or we consider. It is settled. We are in Christ. We are new creatures. And, Lord, then we evaluate our lives. We understand our weaknesses. We ask for your help, for your strength to take over in our weaknesses. And, Father, then we evaluate the faith that you've brought alive in us because of Christ. And in that, we begin to realize we can walk. We can hear. And we can receive what is needed to follow you. I pray you put this in our hearts and you awaken us to who we are in Christ Jesus because of who Jesus is in us. And we give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you for being here tonight. How many are glad you just come out and been in the house of the Lord or you watched online tonight? Hope you got something that you can be encouraged with for the rest of this week. God bless you.